Colorado Springs number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. I am honored to have my next guest joining me. He is a road safety advocate who has taken a tragedy in his life and devoted himself to guardrail safety. Now, his advocacy work has been featured on major network news. It's reached some of the highest political offices, and he also runs a YouTube channel to spread awareness where his videos have collectively been viewed over 72 million times, and most importantly, he is a father. You may know him as the guardrail guy. Steve Emmers, welcome to Automotive ADHD. Hey, how's it going, Matthew? And I'm really glad to I'm really glad to have you on. And I want to talk a little bit about your background firstly. And then if you're willing, after the fact, I'd like you to share a little bit about your daughter, Hannah, and her story, if that's all right. So um, I'm Steve and I um, was a registered nurse and I was an EMT and I was living in western New York and it's awful snowy there. Uh, pretty high taxes. And about 20 some years ago, I decided, hey, I've had enough of healthcare. I'm going to uh, I'm going to move and I'm going to make a career change. So I moved to uh, near to Knoxville, Tennessee, looked around the country, looked at tax structure, climate, and uh, really liked what I saw in East Tennessee. Started a window cleaning business and we had uh, at the time we moved to Tennessee from New York, we had one daughter, Hannah, our oldest, had two other children, and then we adopted three from Eastern Europe and Ukraine, Kharkiv region, Kharkov, um, depending on whether you're using the Russified or the Ukrainian. Uh, had a baby, adopted two out of the opioid epidemic, and then um, we... It was late October of 2016. Our daughter came to us and said, hey, um, our daughter Hannah said, my friend um, wants to place this baby and she's contemplating choices. And most of us are not really ever confronted with whether we truly believe what we say we believe, regardless of what we believe. And so we were and um, we ended up agreeing to adopt a baby. Um I remember it was October 31st of 2016. I went to my wife and said, I've been trying to figure out every which way to get out of this. This child deserves to be wanted from right now. And uh, eight hours later, the sister that advocated for this young boy to join our family was killed in a crash with a guardrail where the guardrail speared through her vehicle. Oh, and so, you know, we have... Um, uh, Nicholas, our youngest, has been. Uh, uh, I would never, I would never suggest that anyone uh, adopt to replace a child. That's that's not what we did. We had started this adoption beforehand, but he has been a bright light in a dark situation. Wow, wow, and that that just weighs heavy on my heart. Is you know just hearing that story and. And, you know, it's one of those things that you can't ever replace a person like that once they're gone. I mean, there's there's a hole in your life like that. And and it's just I think you've been really strong in being able to um, take that tragedy and and turn some of your focus now into some of the advocacy work to prevent other families from experiencing that that same type of tragedy. So uh, tell me a little bit here going into, you know, guardrails. That's that's your primary focus. And and tell me a little bit about 
Well, you know, what they do, let's get like a guardrail 101. And, you know, we, we drive by guardrails every single day and, and we don't give them a second thought. So a lot of people may not really. Well, yeah, I know a guardrail is supposed to stop me from going off the road here. But what do they do and why can they be so dangerous, especially in the circumstance involving Hannah? What, what is so dangerous about them? So the first thing I would say is guardrail is first and foremost a hazard. It is a ribbon of steel on the side of the road that you're going to hit at between you know 55 and 85 miles per hour. This is a hazard, and so we have to know that we have a we have a greater hazard by which we're trying to mitigate that threat. And so the approach ends the trailing and approach end of guardrail are especially dangerous. So you need to treat them um and we have seen over and over with a number of uh the treatments that we have uh, used how um some companies will uh, cut corners they will test in-house using essentially a dummy corporation and then uh self-certify and the foxes are guarding the hen houses And um, I have uncovered multiple systems where what was tested and reported to the Federal Highway Administration was not what was sold. I mean, I have certifications filed in Colorado where uh, it said it was independent testing when, in fact, it was not. And it's not just the product involved in Hannah's crash. This is multiple entities, and a lot of them will use lobbying over building a decent product um and that's not acceptable i believe in a concept called the imago day life has inherent transcendent value and i'm I'm not going to sit here and tolerate one the death of my child but much less i mean it's one thing i i keep i go back to golda meyer who was uh, one of the first prime ministers of israel and she said it's one thing that you kill our children but you also force us to kill your children in return. And uh, I I, I can accept that what happened to Hannah happened, but I cannot accept that it's going to happen to somebody else in that same kind of light. That's completely unacceptable. And that's my goal now is to raise awareness because we have guardrails. uh, I mean, I often highlight Tennessee, and unfortunately, Tennessee is probably in the top 20% of good performing states we have states all across the united states who are much worse than tennessee i just happen to live here um and i can they're the guardrails i can walk i can't get to colorado i can't get to but i mean i see posts that have been burned up in wildfires never replaced posts that are rails that are rotten um rails that are functionally obsolete by decades half a century even uh, blunt and concrete bridge rails killing dozens of people annually in our most rural communities and nobody's saying a word it's safety theater it, it really is 
you know, especially when you think about these rural communities, these rural communities are oftentimes going to be in, in places where there are dangers. There's obstacles that require guardrails. You know, I think back to Colorado where this show airs on the radio, but I, I mean, I have listeners on the podcast all across the world, but I think here we've got, you know, tons of mountains and we've got ditches and ravines and these these obstacles, things you would really not want to drive a car into. So so the state comes along and they, they put guardrails everywhere. I mean, we, I see a ton of them, but even here driving to the, the radio station, I wasn't traversing any major mountain pass to get here, but there was a bridge with a little creek along the side of it, and there was a guardrail where the the uh, the posts weren't bolted in right at the end of the terminal. You had the posts, and you've got the main rail. Just I didn't even notice it. I drive by it every day, and I, I noticed it today because I was thinking about this interview before coming in here, and I went, Gee, that's not even that's not even bolted down. So uh, that and that kind of brings me to uh, you know ask you here. You know, we've got a minute left in this segment, but ask you about what are some of the common issues you find on the road? What are some of the most common issues, and are they inherently a design flaw of the guardrail? Like you were saying, some of these companies get things uh, lobby to have things uh, approved that really shouldn't be, or is it also? a combination of just poor installation on behalf of the contractors who put it in. It's poor installation. It's poor design by the state DOT engineers. And it's often um, the wrong countermeasure and a lack of maintenance. I mean, when we have damaged products, I have found so many people that are being killed hitting damaged products. Or I just had a kid that was 18 years old killed in rural Kansas who hit a turndown unit, which has been banned for uh, since 1994. I was a senior in high school. So it, it's a holistic problem at every level, from the test labs to the manufacturers to the installers to the uh, owners of the roadways, our state DOTs. And then we have a totally feckless Federal Highway Administration that has been completely regardless of red or blue utterly incompetent and so those are our underlying problems pretty much everything wow hold that thought right there we're going to go to a break my guest is steve emmers the guardrail guy we're talking about guardrail safety advocacy for making guardrails safer you're listening to automotive adhd it's right here don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD, now playing on YouTube and Rumble. And we're back for another segment here on the Automotive ADHD Show. Heard around the world as a podcast, also here in Southern Colorado on the radio. If you're just joining us, my guest is a guardrail safety advocate, Steve Emmers. You may know him as the guardrail guy. Steve, thank you again for joining me here on Automotive ADHD. Thanks for having me. And, and so we were talking about in the break a little bit, um, you know, how I, I came across your videos on YouTube and, you know, I was scrolling through YouTube shorts and I, I found one of your videos and that, that took me down a rabbit hole. I watched a bunch of your videos and that's really what got me thinking, you know, we need to, you know, we need to make people aware of the inherent issues that are happening on our roads right now. And so, uh, you know, we look at guardrails as an example, and that's a lot of your main focus. You know, we drive by them every single day. We don't bat an eye at them. Maybe we see one, wow, that one's twisted up and damaged, and then we don't think about it. But but tell me a little bit about 
guardrails again and how they've changed over the years and how, especially with EVs coming into the mainstream, EVs are really heavy. How does that change how guardrails need to work? So a lot of this goes back to force, you know, kinetic energy. And it's made up of two things, mass and um, velocity. And so one thing that's happened over the years is, is the velocity has increased the vehicles we've and the mass. We knew we had to anchor the ends. We also started seeing as SUVs and pickups started growing in, in height, the height has been raised now to 31 inches. We still have a lot of very old low rail that is unanchored, even though, you know, the anchors we've been testing since 1964. I have a news article in 1961 from uh, Popular Science, but with EVs going back to that whole mass the issue of mass, it's devastating. Um, uh, guardrails are tested at 5,000 pounds, uh, a 5,000 pound pickup. And wow. I've recently looked at it. There are 118 EVs that are over 5,000 pounds. We cannot, um, we can't protect them. You know, these larger ones, the Hummer, the, the Ford pickups, we cannot protect them. They are going to go through these guardrails, and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, the University of Nebraska is studying that, but it's a huge problem, and very, very few people are talking about it. A few people at the Department of Defense, a few people at the University of Nebraska. But, uh, you know, we need folks like Elon Musk, who, you know, partly have given us the problem uh, to help us find the solution. Absolutely. And when you look at those EVs, you look at the weights uh, of those cars. I've talked to in length about EVs on on my show here in the past. And one thing is, I mean, they're insanely heavy. You know, that F-150 Lightning, uh, you know, it's a cool truck. It comes in at about 9,500 pounds. And that's something... I think very few people consider when they get behind the wheel of it. If you get behind the wheel of a a big box truck, for example, that might be, you know, 10,000 pounds. Or, you know, maybe you've got a truck in a trailer, you know, a pickup truck with a trailer. You've got 10,000 pounds, maybe 12,000 pounds. You're cognizant of that weight. You know about that weight. But the way they've designed EVs, they've designed them to, for one, stop well and turn well, despite their mass. And... That causes, I think, the perception behind the wheel. You don't think you're driving a 10,000-pound hunk of steel filled with flammable batteries down the road. I think people don't don't think of that. Is there, when you're looking at guardrail design, um, you know, I'm sure the manufacturers, the designers, the engineers have to build a compromise between guardrail stopping light passenger vehicles versus commercial trucks are you seeing at least in your opinion right now are you seeing any of that development starting to make its way or or is there a difference in how they design those what are your thoughts on that um we we, guardrails are not designed for vehicles over five thousand pounds period um there are times when they will perform but they're not designed okay um so I would anticipate that like a 8,000 pound vehicle with a number of these systems, it would, they would do quite well, but they're not designed there. And as we get into overcapacity hits where say we have one of these terminals on a road that's uh, 75 miles per hour, it was only tested at 62 miles per hour with a 5,000 pound pickup 
truck. If we don't have a system that has built-in excess capacity, um, one of the big issues that I identified with the the device my daughter's crash and other similar devices is there is no excess capacity, and the those people are done for. They they're simply they're they're being handed a fifty foot rope and they've got a hundred foot cliff to go over. And it's it's going to be ugly. And so one of the things we really have to do is have our automotive manufacturers, uh, we need some design standards that, that they're going to try to meet. But we also, it brings up a great opportunity. The best guardrail is going to be the smart guardrail, the guardrail that is communicating with our EVs. There's some huge opportunities here to develop a smart system that's actually encouraging the the vehicle move three degrees away from me because you're about to hit me so that communication those opportunities that that's where the that's where the future lies and that's interesting that's something i hadn't even thought about when it comes to smart technology and you know say vehicles that have uh you know semi-autonomous abilities and things like that now you you spend a lot of time going on the roadways a lot in tennessee and you do travel some looking on the ground you're on the road looking at guardrails you're documenting things you're sending that documentation to political officials but likewise you're also working behind the scenes doing some of this political advocacy um you've dealt with state and local lawmakers extensively why is this a is this a partisan issue? And, you know, because I don't feel like a crash in kinetic energy and physics is very, very partisan. But where, where have you seen political success and roadblocks with this? So I have seen political roadblocks, red and blue, and I've had success, red and blue. And so what I've learned is one of the things is we have 50, 50 three state DOTs technically, because we count a couple uh, Guam and uh, D- D.C. and Puerto Rico, but I go with the people that will work with me. If you got a dance partner, you better dance. Um, if you have somebody who won't dance, then you got to wash your hands and move on to the next one. Um, but I have not seen it be partisan, but I have seen, um, you know, I, recently we had a great success in Florida with Governor DeSantis with probably close to $100 million worth of guardrails. Uh replaced one in every three guardrails in that state was fixed it were either significantly repaired or replaced at the same time disney which is known as an ultra liberal corporation spent 13 million dollars replacing guardrails i've seen um i've not had very good success with uh, governor newsom out in california just ignored uh crash where uh, four four active duty marines were killed hitting a damaged product that had been there for six years but i've seen the same dismissive attitude from uh you know governor charlie baker a republican or governor chris sununu up in new hampshire so i wish i could put a red blue label on this but it's really about political obstinance with some of these folks who just are some of its class i think in california in the northeast they were not really interested in listening to who they considered to be a redneck from rural east tennessee but if somebody shows up and says your house is on fire i don't care if they're black or white or liberal or democrat or republican or i don't care if my house is on fire i'm getting out and and i mean it's you don't shoot the messenger and, and absolutely. So what what do you see in your eyes, at least right now, what are some 
challenges that you see in the legislation? What needs to change right now so we can start saving lives, in your opinion? So one of the things I think we could do is implement, um, I, I get very frustrated. I love Ukraine. I've been all across the country, but I also see us dumping. I have friends. I mean, I have the lapis lazuli from uh Afghanistan. I have so many friends from Afghanistan, but we have poured so much money into foreign wars. I I was once in Moldova. I had a guy say, I'm going to run for president. The first thing I'm going to do is declare war on America, and you're going to bomb us and then rebuild my country, and we're going to become the 51st state. It was a joke, but it was unfortunately true. I would like to see them uh, maybe bomb us in Tennessee with uh, some new guardrails and new bridges and, and bomb us in Colorado with those same things and new schools. Invest in America because this is leading, you know, in Tennessee, I've documented five, I've just gone through 500 some crashes over the last 11 years. Since my daughter was killed in Tennessee, we have had just involving safety barrier in the United States, three 9-11s. We started two wars. We've spent trillions of dollars. Invest $25 billion in safety barrier and bridge rail and uh, cable barriers and center median barriers and crash cushions and attenuators and end terminals. Invest in America and let's rob America's streets because we could prevent the equivalent of a 9-11 every three years by having a safer safety barrier system. Wow. And and so what what can people do to push this up the ladder? How can you know, you, you know, you know, as I'm driving along the road and as other people's are, we're not guardrail experts, but we all have a role that we can play in this, how do we report this on our local level, but also to our state level? What's the best way to rally people behind this, in your opinion? You know, I've seen a number of YouTube viewers who got motivated and reported one guardrail or 10 guardrails. Had one gap in uh, Wisconsin who has reported over 258 guardrails. And report one. And keep and engage. Congressman John Duncan was a friend of mine here in Tennessee. I had no political connections before I started, but he, he said, engage with government closest to the people. So go to your state representative, go to your state senator and engage with them and say, listen, hey, listen, I have found four guardrails here. Can you get help me get those fixed? And I don't have time to go out there and look for the other 40, but will you ask the state DOT to place eyes on our roadside? They may miss half of them. But if you get 10 guardrails fixed, you know, it wasn't, I've gotten tens of thousands of guardrails fixed. But at the end of the day, it was not 10,000 guardrails that my daughter hit. It was one. And so there's a Jewish proverb that you might see at the Holocaust uh, Museum. It's I, I really embraced it when I was doing some work, uh, bringing some friends out of Afghanistan, because we, we failed an awful lot. And a lot of the people we weren't able to help died. Is if you save one life, you save the world. Wow. If you save one life, 
you save the world. And so go about saving the world by saving that one life. Absolutely. And that that one life could be, you know, someone's friend, brother, daughter, you know, family member, too. I mean, you know, that's absolutely I think that is a really really great way to to illustrate that point and drive this home and i mean as as motorists as anyone again we we're not you know and everyone doesn't need to be an expert here but just as a motorist you know maybe a hundred thousand people in a week on a busy roadway drive by that broken guardrail and nobody says anything but it's that one person that one person who says something gets a crew out there that crew looks at it says hey we need to fix this and then, you know, and then maybe a week later, someone hits that guardrail but survives because of that. I think, you know, the work you're doing to spread awareness here, you know, is saving lives every day. And it's the amazing thing is we sometimes don't know the lives that we saved, but we know we saved them. And I think what you're doing is incredible work. Steve, how can people support what you're doing? You know, just... um they can watch my videos on YouTube. I recently joined TikTok. You can follow me on Facebook. Um, but the big thing is open your eyes and find your voice. And, it, and maybe it's not guardrails for you, for you. Find your voice and engage with our government. We have a government that has grown to ignore the people. And we need an engaged public. So the big thing that people could do is engage with their political leaders and maybe maybe become the stop sign guy or the pothole guy or maybe just just engage with your political leaders and insist that they advance the goals of the public and not special interests, not industry and not um, the government itself but the people. It's we the people. Absolutely. That is a great way to put it. Again, you can follow him on YouTube. You can follow him on TikTok, Twitter, online, everywhere. Steve, the guardrail guy. Steve, I, I really got to get you back. We just skimmed the surface of this here on the show today. So I definitely want to get you back here in the future. But I want to thank you for joining me right here on Automotive ADHD. Thanks so much, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Wow. I, I know we have had fun here on the show. We have fun all the time, but stopping down and talking about something serious like this is really important. You know, last week I talked about how I don't think government mandated speed lim limiters and kill switches are the right solution to our road tragedies, but guardrails and road infrastructure are in the realm of the government. It is what they have authority over. And in many cases, they're not doing a good job with it. So uh, there you go. I really want to thank Steve for coming on the show. Now, don't miss a minute of this show. Lots of great ways to catch it on the radio. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer Sundays at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Also, you can find it online wherever fine shows and this one are downloaded. Remember to give it a rating on Spotify as well. Keep in touch with the show on Facebook, facebook.com, Automotive ADHD, as well as send your car sounds in there. Uh, now, I will see you same time, same place, right here next week.